welcome to church. Thank you again for being here, and we're just uh, really thankful that you are. Um, we're prayerful in this time that God has given us, this season of um, online speaking and churches and all the things that we're doing here, um, that we grasp what He's trying to teach us and give us at this time. Uh, not that uh, it is to be left here, but a way of growth that in the future we take these things on to uh, even better ways of glorifying Him. So thank you so much for being here. And let me open with a, a word of prayer, please. Uh, Father God, I, I thank you for this specific day, this beautiful day that you've given us. In fact, uh, we're thankful for the uh, ability to hear you speak to us, to the Spirit that lives inside of all true believers. God, I, I thank you for the message this week, and I just pray that the words that I speak today are not something that I concocted or created, but something that you've laid on my heart for the betterment of all of us. God, you are good and you're wonderful, and we just love you. So thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. Be with us and guide our words, guide our thoughts, and change our hearts, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't know um, what you have been doing during this time of isolation, what to occupy all your time, but uh, Angie and I, we've been doing, um, oh, I don't know, we've done, done a host of different things, and We've done a lot of planning on what things might look like after the COVID vi virus isolation, after the time that uh, we've been kind of keeping our distance away from the, um, the general population. And so we've had some great times and really good planning of excitement of what is going on right now and uh, what might be going on in the future if God see sees fit. But one of the things that I've done that probably isn't quite as pleasant is that I've been watching a lot of world news. and. I don't really normally do so, and not because I'm not aware of what's going on. I, I, stay, I stay up to date um, uh, for my own information, but maybe I've been looking just a little too much. Maybe I've been concentrating on what's going on in the world more than I should. Because what I've seen out there is that right now in our present society, we live in such a, a climate of divisiveness. Um, it's almost uh, just a natural tendency to be argumentative um, that people carry in their back pocket a win-at-all-cost um, where every single point that we don't agree with 100% has to be a, a battleground. I, I think the proof of this and the reality that is going on is that even in this time where the world has an opportunity to have the same enemy, that is the COVID virus, we still find an area of starting to be divided and disagree over this and that. And it, and it just uh, it accelerates then. And it's not just a, I believe this, okay, you believe that, great. No, it, it's, a, it's a form of contention where we actually start disliking each other for which side of the aisle we're standing on. And it just doesn't seem to let up, does it? Because now this week, as it always does, Another great tragedy has stolen the headlines when a man in Minnesota was murdered senselessly. And now because of that, the tentacles of trouble has just spreading through our nation so quickly with disagreements and name-calling and riots and reasons why it should or shouldn't be. I've been watching too much of the world but you know, I've also been watching the church. I always watch the church. And, and I've been really kind of concentrating on how we react to 
the same enemy of the virus, the same enemy of racial, racial intolerance and hatred. Folks, I say this with a heavy heart that unfortunately what I'm seeing in many parts, not all, in fact the minority, but if there's ever any kind of part of the body of Christ who is following the actions of the world, it's far too much. I want to put a disclaimer here and put an asterisk down on your notes if you're taking one. You know, I'm no better. And, and if you, and if you um, don't know that for sure, you can ask Angie because she's been spending far too much one-on-one time with Roger over the last eight weeks, nine weeks, whatever it is at this time. No, I'm certainly no better. None of us in the church are better than the world by any means. But we can't ever forget that we are called and truly outfitted by the Holy Spirit to be different. Because when we have God living in us because of Jesus Christ our King, we are no better, but we most certainly are and must be different. The title of our message this morning is, But, Comma, You Are Different. And I have that comment in there for us just to kind of get a better picture of what uh, I believe God talks to us a lot because throughout Scripture, many times God will be um, giving His Word to a man who's putting it down on paper. Uh, and it's, this is what the world looks like. But then soon after that it says, but this is how God's people look like. This is how the world reacts to enemies like the COVID and hatred and intolerance, and injustice. But God says, this is how the world must see the church be different. Our first, We have two readings today, uh, two primary readings. The first one is in Hebrews chapter 11. And I'd like you to turn there, and then if you have the opportunity, we're going to go back again this week to Matthew, uh, beginning of the Sermon on the Mount of Matthew chapter 5, so you could stick your thumb in there. But Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to start, um, halfway through verse 13 and then read 16, up through 16. And then we'll be back in Matthew chapter 5 and we'll read the Beatitudes together. So in God's word, what was taking place here? If you know chapter 11 of Hebrews, this is the hall of faith is what it's called. And it lists just people throughout all of God's word who were just champions of the faith. And really what it's talking about in every single one of those individuals is how differently they lived and how stark um, contrast they were in the world and the times and the struggles that they lived in and through because of God who was in their life. It's going along and it's naming people and players uh, of of God's good and holy word. And it said, they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. <laughs> Not here. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. 
the focus of people of faith, why we are so different, is because we are going someplace. We've been promised a heavenly home, and all the distractions and the trouble and the pain and the sorrow and even the riches and the joys of this world are just a dim, a dim reflection of what is ahead for us. There's an old saying, and I have no idea who said it, but they said that uh, um, as Christian people, we're supposed to be going through this world as travelers. But too many times we end up looking like tourists because we're stopping and looking at the pretty things and we get distracted of where we're going. Or we run up on a flat tire, <laughs> figuratively, on our, on our trip and we lose focus of where we're going. We have to keep in mind that we are travelers and we are no different. Or we are different because of the knowledge that we have been given. We know there's something better than what's going on here. But we can't lose sight of where we're going. I think that maybe that's what was getting to me this week. I know for sure that there's something so much better, and so I'm grieved that we all fall so, so far short of the glory of God. But not the world. It's us. The church. I'm no better. But because of God's promises in my life of something better to come, I'm different. And I know that you are too. And so today I'd like to just spend our time keeping, maybe encouraging each other. That regardless of what's taking place right now, we've got things to do. Someday the promise of heaven is a guarantee, but while we, were here, while we are here in this foreign land, as we travel through the, the muck and the mire, and yes, the joy at times, we are different by nature because of the grace of God that has been given us through His Son, Jesus Christ. We are meant to be changed, and we are meant to be change makers in the world that needs Him so desperately at this time. And so the reality of what I would like to point out today is that the future promise of what God has given us dictates our present actions and attitudes. So it's that idea of but, comma, you are different. Not so we can accuse the world, but so that we can lead the world. If you were with us last week, you know that we started out in chapter 4 of Matthew, and it was when a, time, a time when Jesus' earthly ministry began. And so he took a walk and he started recruiting um, men that he called disciples. He said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Come follow me and I will change you. I will give you a title. I will give you responsibilities. And after he did that, they, they got out of their boats immediately, the scripture tells us, and followed him, and he walked him downtown, and he gave him a little on-the-job training, and, said that, and he said that, I want you to preach, and I want you to teach. And then he began healing the people who needed him so badly, and said, this is what I'm about, and if this is my work, then it is now your work. But, comma, you are different. You are different. So much so that after he was with the crowd and, they, and he healed so many and, and the, they came to him, he separated himself and, and the disciples 
and he set them down, and really, basically, he starts the Sermon on the Mount and teaching them one-on-one, the small group lesson, because they were different than the world. But he was teaching them not to be excluded from the world or secluded from the world, but to learn and to grow and go out into the world and to be the fishers of men. And he starts a remarkable thing in chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, and it's the Beatitudes, and that's what you would know it as. And he says, Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those... Blessed are those, blessed are those. I want to stop just at that word blessed. Because there's an important understanding that really um, interprets and explains what's going on, not just in the Beatitudes, but in the directives of God, I think, throughout all of Scripture. This understanding of being blessed is an internal happiness that is gained and and really um, fortified by external gifting from God. Let's use the example of the first one of blessed is the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed is the poor in spirit. The meaning is the downtrodden. Blessed is the poor in spirit, the lowly, the financially poor, the racial minorities, those prejudiced against something throughout the world that we live in those with mental and emotional challenges, the widows, the widowers, the orphans, the abused, the sad, the lonely, the disenfranchised. What allows them to make it through this foreign land is the promise that there's is the inheritance of the kingdom of heaven. The external gifting of God is the promise that someday it's going to be different. Allows them in the internal happiness and peace, even in those circumstances. And the scripture calls that two-pronged understanding of blessed. God gifts us externally, We grow, and we find peace internally. And so what I wanted to do just in this short time is divide up the promises of God and the actions of those who who have received those promises. The promises of God to those who are different. Those who have called Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. Those who are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. To them, to us. God has this list of promises in these nine verses. They will inherit the kingdom of heaven. They will find comfort. They will inherit the earth. They will be filled. They will be shown mercy. They will see God. They will be called sons of God. 
And almost as a second reminder, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These external giftings of God, heaven, comfort, all the earth, filled in my empty spots, mercy, I'll see God. I'm called a son of God. And I will see heaven. These gifts of God are guaranteed promises. And it's not something that we've attained because we work real hard at, at making um, um, a checklist of, of accomplishments. It's not something that we deserve, but these are promises are guaranteed and given to us by the grace of God, pre- freely poured out into mankind through His Son, Jesus Christ, and, and brought out through the world by, the, by the God, the Holy Spirit. And so it is the knowledge of the promise, then, that makes us different. Not better, but different. And so because we can be confident of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see, we change. When we keep our eyes focused on Him, we change in our actions and our attitudes and we begin to act different. So if we went with the other half of those nine verses, first of all, we have the promises to those who are different, and now we have the actions and really the attitudes of those who are different. The poor in spirit, we've talked about that already. How do you navigate this world when everything seems to be stacked up against you? Well, because God promises better days ahead. Maybe not even in this world. But it's the God of the universe who loves you and cares for you and says, someday, someday, we can be mournful and have peace. He teaches us to be meek even when people are being aggressive to us and and, and slanderous even. He helps us to cut through the... um, influences of this world because we have one objective only and that's to hunger and thirst for righteousness for the way it's supposed to be we are merciful merciful we are pure in heart and we seek only the good of others and maybe this is another thing to underline and circle in your bible We are peacemakers. We don't have to win. We don't have to win. We don't always have to win. Because we're no better than anyone else. We're just different. Because by the grace of God, we have been shown a better way. I love how Jesus finishes up the Beatitudes, as we call them. And he looks at the disciples, and he knows that they're going to have some real rough waters ahead. And he says, beginning in verse number 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, and persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. 
Rejoice and be glad in these times of this world. Even when you open up the headlines and your heart aches for what is going on. Church, we're no better. But we have to be different. And we have to show the world the way. I hope that the COVID-19 virus hasn't affected you in a loss of loved ones, loss of jobs, loss of even relationships. I pray that's not the case. But if it has, take heart. But hopefully, what my true prayer is, is that we've all changed for the better somehow. Because we've had time to not just look at the world, but we've had time to look at God and hear from Him, perhaps in, I hope so, in a much, much greater way. And He's taught us something that we can take out of this mess and take it forward and make it our new message. I don't know if you've ever heard a Christian song. It's about 20 years old now, and it's, it's uh, called Painting Pictures of Egypt. And it was written by a young, well, at that time she was a young gal named Sarah Groves. And she had a line in there that woke me up this week because it was just really what I've been concentrating on in the scriptures and what I think God has been talking to me about. And what it line said, it says, The places that used to fit me cannot hold the things I've learned. I'm caught between the promises and the things I know. What God has showed me and Angie, and I hope for you, and I hope the entirety of the church, doesn't make me better. It doesn't make you better. But I just pray that it makes us different. And that from this point forward, when the the world looks at us and all the struggles that are out there. They see something beautiful and we have the opportunity to tell them about our beautiful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope by the tremendous grace of God that we're all better, that we can affect the world, lead the world, the broken, hurting world, into a true and lasting and eternal peace that is found only in the relationship with Jesus Christ. Folks, I hope you have just the best week ever. Read your scripture. Pray together. Focus on Him. We're all travelers. But we know how to get there. And we'll be there soon. God bless you. See you soon. Thanks for listening in today. We know these are uncertain times right now, but we hope our message encourages you. 
If you'd like to stay connected, please check out our Facebook pages, Miller Christian Church Family or Burr Oak Church. While our church doors may not be open, these services are now posted on YouTube by checking out Barnabas Bridge Channel. If God spoke to you today, we urge you to contact Roger at thebarnabasbridge@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thank you again. Stay safe and stay connected. Later.